Welcome to Any Honey and the Newt. Welcome to another episode of Any Honey and the Newt. We have here my my dad, who is also my uh, look-alike from 30-plus years, the fellow journeyman. <laughs> Say hi, dad. Say hi to the people. Hi, hi dad. Hi, people. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank you guys for asking me. I really appreciate it, and I'm honored to be here. Yeah, Thank we're you. really glad to have you as well. Uh, as just a reminder to our viewers, we're spending this season talking about love and relationships and trying to understand uh, what that means in a lot of different circles. So we talked about love of basketball. We've talked about player-player uh, relationships, player-organization relationships. And now we're reaching out to some of the experts in our lives, our uh, family and friends that can uh, just share their experiences and insights into the nature of love and relationships. So we're really glad to have you here to, to share your wisdom. Thank you. I appreciate it. I understand you have a few questions for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start uh, really easy. Here's an easy one. What is love? <laughs> nice, big, broad, general question. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, uh, that's an amazing question, really, and probably unanswerable. Well, let me start with the thought. Um, you know, I'm a student of the game. And, you know, so you, during this journey, I will probably be say, um, I have learned, okay, um, in the beginning, not when I was born, because I believe that I was born with love mm. and knowing love, or at least in the receipt of love. And during my life, I, I learned other things that were not loving. Mm. And as I traveled, I started to develop my own definitions of what that feeling was. And most of it was intellectual and probably more sexual in nature, ego-based for me. Um, mm. The best definition I found, I learned from a book, uh, M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled, which is something I, I read and then carried because it resonated with me. Editing table. <laughs> is that M. Scott Peck calling right now? <laughs> that was. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it said their love. To me, my summary of it is that love is the caring and nurturing of another's spiritual growth. Hmm. And it really also included myself, but I didn't, I didn't take that. I took the caring and nurturing of another's spiritual growth. That's great. Um, I was curious. I mean, initially you kind of said what's not loving, the, the things that you learned was ego-based. And, uh, and here in this quote, we see that it's nurturing for an other and focusing on an other. Um, I, I think in, sometimes when we talk about being in love, maybe the early infatuation and romantic stages, we talk about the way that it makes us feel. 
So I wonder if you can talk about maybe that contrast between our feelings and the fact that it might be other focused. When, and I know the term falling in love and I've learned that, you know, we're not falling and in love is not the direction. Mm. We are learning to love. Now, when I meet somebody, I mean, that first love feeling is just tremendous. It's exciting. It's, you know, you can't think of anything else. You just, all you want to do is talk and be with this person. It's, you know, it really is centric. It's not about that other person. It's, I'm trying to satisfy something in me. Mm. And then all of my my guards and my fronts come up because I'm trying to present the best me. Hmm. My son, Jason, might call it peacocking. <laughs> Walking around, <laughs> just, you know, flashing myself, I'm the best catch. And my ego would say to people, you know, you'll not find a person like me. Hmm. That I'm almost embarrassed to say. <laughs> <laughs> now hmm. that's interesting i was gonna say that's really interesting especially um <clears throat> when you have this idea like you've mentioned um when you shift the focus from the centric to um the elevation of another right you when you when you see that other perspective and you've been in it for so long like you said it is kind of embarrassing to think of love as this it's like, I don't want to, it's not really selfish, but it is kind of selfish, right? Because it's like, this is the feeling that you have. So you don't really have that other perspective. Um, so my question to you, dad, is how do you know when you are successfully loving someone else? That is a really, really good question. My answer is, I think I never know. Mm. It's a quest. Lorraine and I, listened to a talk from a spiritualist named Thich Nhat Hanh. And in there, he posed a question, an exercise. And he said, ask your partner, how can I love you better? Mm. So now it's not on me. I don't have to figure that one out because let's face it, we're guys, <laughs> we are, born to figure stuff out mm. figure shit out that's what it is we're we want to fix it whatever it is so we get into a relationship we get to an argument we got to fix it what is it what you know something's not right we're not happy we're not joyous and free and and giving up and suddenly we're faced with a dilemma i gotta fix this mm. When Thich Nhat Hanh presented that question, I cried because hmm. I did not know how to ask that question. And if posed to me, I didn't know how to answer that question. Hmm. And it's definitely very disarming. Yeah. It just says, you know, over time we change. So the person I knew five years ago is different. They have different needs. So, you know, you could ask them and they know, 
women, the first thing I wanted to say too was, you know, men have some serious misconceptions. I, I love men because I'm a man. I mean, we're cool people, but we're idiots. We're wandering around <laughs> trying to figure shit out. Women have their finger on the pulse and understand love, I think, much better. When they're grounded and spiritually based, they have a much clearer view. Hmm. That's probably why they laugh at us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. I, I like this idea of um, being other focused and for their spiritual benefit, you know, for, for their kind of entire well-being, not just for pleasure. Uh, we've been kind of focusing on the, I don't, for lack of better words, maybe the romantic relationship, the, the kind mm-hmm. of partnership, but that, that definition seems to be able to be extended to taking care of children or loving a, a neighbor or a friend. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about the differences in those relationships. I know that was one of your questions. Uh, do you differentiate a loving romantic partner, family member, and so on and so forth? Um, I looked at that question and I started to smile because in my past, it would have been different. Yes, because I was sexually oriented. You know, of course, my love for my partner is going to be different because there's a benefit on the other side if I'm different with with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the truth of the matter is when you're truly loving that love is really the same. It emanates from you in the same way. You know, it's not about control. It's not about what I get out of it. It's, you know, the embodiment of a host of virtues, mm. all of which are, you know, compassion and gratitude and, and humility and, and tolerance. Most of all, it embodies listening. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. So I don't, I, I don't see it now as differentiating. When I, when I show up for someone and, and I'm in the loving state, in my peaceful state, it, I think I show up the same way, I hope. That's what I always hope. I wonder if, uh, even if it comes from the same place and exhibits the same virtues, do you think maybe the um, the time spent or the intensity might differ? Like, how would you differentiate uh, a close friend from a, an acquaintance if you know if you're exhibiting the same virtues? I, that's a great question because there's an element of trust. You know, I I also have to protect myself. I can't I can't walk out in the world. And even though a lot of spiritualists talk about it, that they love everybody the same way, the new person and the people that they've known for a while, but I'm not that evolved. You know, I, I, I have to put my guard up. I, I, there's an element of trust. And I used to carry a thought, you know, that I had a long fuse when it came to trust and that it took quite a bit for me to stop trusting you. Mm. And then, once I stop trusting you, we could say the word love, you can replace that word, uh, trusting you, that was it. Hmm. And I was hard and fast on that. And again, that's another statement that I'm almost embarrassed to, to say, you know, because that's saying that you'll never change. 
Mm. That's critical. That's, you know, hurtful. That's, you know, but there is an element of trust right in the beginning to see if I can let my guard down because hmm. I want to. I want to uh, go a little deeper with uh, Corbin's question. And um, if possible, could you characterize some of the ways that you would love someone differently? You know, whether, it's, whether it's a child, a sibling, uh, Lorraine, your, your spouse, um, or even uh, I'll go into this, uh, mom, your ex-spouse, right? You guys. I was just going to ask. I was just going to say that. Um, I recently went over to see mom, and um, you know, to pick up my my golf bag, and possibly the the gardening tools. And while we were there, I apologized for the hurt that I caused. And when we hugged, I mean, we both shed a tear for that. And um, when we hugged, I told her that I loved her. So there was a period of time there that it was different. I was, I was in an upset. And, uh, but truthfully, you know, I still, I felt, I still felt the love. And when I when I was there, I was I was who my I was supposed to be. Hmm. So, loving for a child, I mean, there's other responsibilities, you know, because I'm I'm a guider and a teacher. That's part of nurturing the, the child. I don't have to do that with a partner. I don't have to do that with a friend. Um, I'm also a provider. I don't have to do that with a friend. I do that with my partner um, and for the children, you know, we, you know, children taught me, you, you guys taught me the most about, about love, about nurturing, about being still and removing my ego. Mm. You, you guys taught me the deepest part of love is laughter. Mm. I, uh, normally we just want to focus on on trying to pry out of you guys as much as we can uh, and save our commentary for later. But I just have to say some of the things that you've said resonate pretty deeply with uh, Confucian philosophy, and you've brought in some heavy hitters as well. Thank you. Um, but this <laughs> idea of uh, you know expanding our circles from the self, you know, learning to care about family and care about uh, the community and care about the nation and then care about the world at, at large. Um, and then also the idea that what differentiates isn't the concern for others, but our responsibilities in those relationships, you know, being playing the role of the father is different from playing the role of a husband or a citizen in a, in a city. Right. And yep. so uh, I think you've put your finger on a pulse where love isn't different in general. It's different in practice because of what we have to do with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Um, you know, there are, I think when you say in practice, it's understanding um, what we conceive as our responsibilities inside of it. Mm. And, you know, those don't come that easy. I, you know, I walked around um, in the early times with Lorraine. I just look back now and I look, I look at it like I, I was clueless, completely clueless. I didn't know how to show up for anything. Mm. And, and she didn't either. And we started to learn 
how to show up, what our responsibilities were. Mm. I learned a lot of things by watching how Anthony and you react, um, how the kids interacted with each other. Um, I, I certainly didn't know how to show up because I was very centric. You know, I was, mm. still, I was still just trying to take care of me and build me and whatever that is. So I think it, I think it comes down to learning what, what other people's needs are, community needs. You know, the community needs something different from me. Maybe they just need my time. You know, maybe they need a, a strong back to build something or share a sharing of ideas. Friends sometimes just need somebody to to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know what, what other categories there are. That's good. Those are good examples. Yeah. If I can add one thing, um, you kind of mentioned this twice now. Um, this idea that love is a partnership. And uh, in our previous conversations, Corbin, I don't think we had gotten too deep into that connection about partnership. We talked about, you know, when we talk about love of game or love of uh, each other with regards to basketball, it was always one person or the other and how they were in working in that partnership. But you, Dad, have talked, you know, about uh, your partnership with Lorraine, uh, you know, your partnership with myself or Jason, as children, uh, your partnership with friends and this kind of like mutual um, beneficial aspect to the relationship. Uh, I had a question and now I don't really have it. So Corbin, you might have to help me out here. But the question <laughs> is something like, um, if you could talk a little bit more about what it means to, for a relationship or for love to be, um, for, to be a partnership. Is that, does that make sense? It makes sense because I was already thinking about what you were saying and the word expectations comes to mind. So for, I believe for a partnership to grow, you know, maybe what we need to do is remove expectations. So if it, an example and a saying that I say with friends, I mean, I know you know me as the man of a thousand sayings, um, but expectations are premeditated disappointments. So when you levy an expectation on somebody or go into a partnership, a business partnership is different, but a relational partnership is about the give and take and you know, you are you and I am me. And if we find each other, that's beautiful. That's a poem from a long time ago. Um, I think when I remove the, the expectation, I give it space to become what it needs to be. Because everything we do morphs in ways we never expect, no matter what it is, even a business. Um, when you allow and keep yourself open from your heart, not your mind, and just observe knowing and having faith that you can handle whatever comes up. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, this might be a difficult question to probe too deeply, but uh, you mentioned that the business partnership is different from some of these other partnerships. And the first thought that came to mind is maybe 
in a business relationship, it's transactional. You're going to do something for me. I'm going to do something for you. We'll set down those, those guidelines in a contract or have a verbal agreement. And once those are satisfied, we're done. <laughs> or if it's an ongoing thing, like as long as we're holding up our end of the bargain, it's good. In a, in a friendship or a um, love relationship, it doesn't seem to be quite as transactional, but you also mentioned like once trust has been violated enough, it can end. So what's the difference maybe between the transactional nature of a business relationship and the, the, the limits of a love relationship? I would also add, um, you said when the transactions are completed, I would also add violated to that. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Oh my God, you know, I can't hear you anymore. I think I'm going to lose my connection about what I <laughs> Oh my God, I didn't know, I was kidding. But um, let me see if I can gather myself with this. You know, in a business, because I know you know, you mentioned in one of your questions was about conflict. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the question that, that that brought up to me is, can you ever lose love? Mm. Okay, so yeah, if, if something's been violated or a trust has been violated or an expectation has, has not been met, um, there's several levels of severity. You know, you've got with businesses, you've got things that, you know, confidentiality and so on and so forth. And they can all probably sit in the same place. But what comes to mind in relationships is the thought of toxicness. Mm. So, you know, you can still love the person, but you might not be able to be around them. Mm. So yeah, the love is different because part of it is protecting yourself because, you know, I can't love you if I don't really love and respect myself. Mm -hmm. So can we say that in a business that a toxicness can occur when things happen and a transaction is completed, that's not toxic. That was possibly satisfying. But when a trust is violated, the toxicness sort of shows up mm -hmm. and then we have to make a decision. So I'm, this again is one of the student of the game type things. I'm still learning it. If you hurt me bad enough, I am, I'm gonna rage, I'm gonna get angry, I'm gonna hate you, feel like I hate you, but can I still be in a place of love, hmm. but realize that you may be toxic to me and that I might not be able to be around you. So. Does that answer the question? Yeah, that's great. Uh, it makes me think about, um, I wish I could remember the source, but this this quote of uh, the opposite of love isn't hate or anger, it's it's apathy, right? So, oh man, so, I was just gonna ask that too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So like our, our anger is an expression sometimes of that love, you know, because we're invested in the relationship and we wanna see it grow. Whereas if, it, if you do something to hurt me and I just don't care, that, that shows a bigger tear in the relationship. Yeah, and things happen, you know, you know, a thought that Lorraine and I try to live by is uh, live and let live. And we don't know who the people are that we are interacting with. And if we can be unconditional 
with our love, then we can then we can be in a space where there's always some room. Hmm. I now understand that people can change. I've hmm. changed. And that um, I don't need to shut the door forever on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's egregious acts, murder, and things like that. That you know, finding a place of of forgiveness, which is also a virtue of love. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, I I'm not. I haven't been in that frame, so I don't know, but. I certainly admire the concept. Hmm. Anthony, you were gonna ask something along those lines. Did you have a point you wanted to make or something you wanted to follow through on? No, you completely scooped me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still kind of formulating the, I guess the question. Um, maybe you guys can help me out we talked about you know conflict versus love um <clears throat> and our specific question is how does conflict impact your view on love or close relationships um and i don't think we quite answered that question do you want to go into that a little bit and let really. me just add a, a term and not really <laughs> okay that's fine uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I can answer it i, I had thought about it well, I would just uh, throw out there like one of your favorite themes, uh, Anthony, is redemption and redemption stories. So we've talked about forgiveness for the other person, but um, maybe the the idea of redemption comes into play here with conflict. Well, redemption isn't redemption the payment of something. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I can't I can't quite grasp the the word redemption with it unless I'm pounding my chest, you know, which is ego-based. Mm. Um, but in conflict, the, the first thought that comes to my mind is, okay, what, where's the, what's the commitment? So, you know, in a, in a partnership relationship, actually with any relationship that you have, even with the community, you know, if, if it's understood that the commit, you have a strong commitment to this, then it's all about weathering the storm, if mm. that makes sense. It's about, okay, yeah, we don't agree. Lorraine and I got into some serious fights. She wanted to throw me off the terrace. I mean, she got rageous. And I would tell her, I said, how could you say that? I mean, I could never say that to you, that I want to throw you off the terrace. And she goes, that's just what happens to me. Mm. And there were times where I shut down after a conflict, but my commitment never wavered. Mm. So, you know, nothing that I know of could make me stop loving someone as long as I stay with my commitment to the relationship and growth. You know, when something is bothering you, it's not about them. Usually when there's something that's bothering me. There's something that's wrong with me. And hmm. I should take a look at it. And I, that's where the growth comes. Yeah, that's interesting. I love this idea that uh, our relationships with others focusing on their spiritual growth 
has the side effect of helping us grow spiritually. <laughs> it's a really nice, uh, it, it comes around full circle. Damn learning, yeah. damn growth. <laughs> you talked uh, earlier, we talked about transactions, right? And I find it interesting that you use the word commitment here because there is some element of transaction to that. Not entirely, like you don't necessarily have to give something, but um, that commitment of, you know, whether it's just being together. And so like, even in these moments of conflict, there's this, uh, this value that you have that no matter what will keep you there. Yeah. The interesting part of it is I'm human. And I certainly, um, even with your mom, um, I certainly, when I got into arguments, even with friends, the pain was so great. I just, you know, it's either it's fight or flight. And I just wanted to run away. So the thought would come up is, why am I in this? Why, why am I in this relationship? This is stupid. What, how could I do this again? You know, you're sort of like this that same feeling because it's not the first time you get into a conflict it brings up stuff that is already there it's been there your self-criticism everything else that that kind of you learned all the way up until now and um you know when that happens it's it's a reconciliation time so when i look at that and say okay it's just a moment my commitment is strong. I'm in this for the long haul. And I could say that to pretty much everyone. Even when I when I did jobs for companies, I said, I would always tell them I'm in this for the long haul, even though I may have left six years later. But the idea was right now. Mm -hmm. As I'm concerned, the long haul is second by second. That's so, nice too, yeah. I think uh, we've worked through the prepared questions, but is there anything that you'd really like to share on this theme or concept that, that you feel like we didn't touch on? Not really. I, I think, I think I, I may have danced around the thought that it's, it's an ongoing process and that, you know, we never really know it all but if we stay open, keep our hearts open and are willing to listen, hmm. miracles occur. You know, we can put up walls, we can put up, you know, shields to protect ourselves. And, and that's, you know, what we learned that we need to do. But sometimes we have to put a few cracks in it because that's where the light comes in. Hmm. And it's the light that that really allows us to grow. Thank I you. mean, Anthony said it. He's, what did he say? He said, "You know, damn growth." <laughs> but that's that is well put. I, I get that. It resonates with me. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like when the rain passed, hmm. I just went. I was like, really? When she first got diagnosed, I was like, really? It's like what? What the hell? And then um, I just had to keep myself open and just see what was there and have faith that I could handle whatever came up. Hmm. And that's an extreme case. 
but now put that in the grocery store person where the person's writing a check and you're the 10th person in the line behind that person, you know, where do you find a space to mm. be okay with it? Yeah. Wow. To experience. <laughs> no, that's good. I, again, uh, the fact that maybe love's concern for the betterment of others is general and then how that takes shape in each relationship is different because of our responsibilities to that particular person. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yep. And you have to remember too, we're human. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be human. It's wondrous to be human. We're not perfect. And mm. I'm certainly not perfect. I still have road rage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, I still have disappointments. I, I still make mistakes. I still inadvertently hurt people. And um, it's what we do with it after that. So. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, Anthony, do you have any final thoughts or? Um, I do have a question, but I kind of want to save it for after this conversation about it's about the road rage and it doesn't really apply. It kind of does, but it doesn't really. It's like a future conversation, but I do want to ask you both about it. Well, let's have the conversation. We can stop the recording, <laughs> recording uh, one real thing, but we have this footage for the future if need be. Okay, that's well, fair I enough. A, I have a question for you guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You go okay. first. You know, I, I said, you know, and you brought it up, Corbin, about the um, the the conflict, and, and it always drives a question for me about, you know, you know, do you ever stop loving someone? Mm. Um, and I and I have a question: Is there, you know, are there conditions that you place on your definitions of love? That's great, uh, Anthony. Do you have initial thoughts or? I feel I'm like I'm to, in. Yeah, I'm trying to think like even I wouldn't I don't know if I would say I stopped loving them. And the reason why is because like even when I haven't talked to somebody in a really long time, I still think about them from time to time. And like Corbin, you said earlier, you know, if I didn't really care about them at all, I wouldn't think of them ever mm-hmm. beyond that moment of it. Like, you know. Um, if, you know, if you bump into somebody at the grocery store that you've never seen before, that person will never cross your mind again. Um, whereas if somebody took a swing at you, you'd probably remember that guy in a much different way. Um, but like, you know, college roommates, um, who I don't talk to or, you know, people from my childhood, they'll like memories will still pop up and it'll bring up these feelings of fondness or even love, you know, friendships, that sort of thing. Um, it kind of like pushes me to want to reach out to these people or at least try and find them. So I think that says something about the nature of, um, of love in detachment. And I think I was trying to uh, get at this, this question when I was bringing up the difference between a transactional uh, relationship and a love relationship. I feel like if the conditions are spelled out, like I'll love you as long as A, B, C, and D, that's yeah. just a contract. Um, so I tend to think more uh, that we probably have unwritten rules or expectations that we're not even aware of ourselves, that the love relationship can be altered or violated. 
And then the question is, do we pursue re reconciliation or is this the kind of toxic relationship where the most loving thing to do is to, to go our separate ways? But as a divorcee uh, myself, um, I will say that I still love my ex tremendously. Like I, I want what's best for her. It's just what's best for her is not us being together. Mm. Uh, at least that's how I see it. So. That's, that's a perfect definition. That's, you know, and yeah, I agree. We, you know, walk into things. We, we have conditions. We just do because we don't want to be hurt. We mm -hmm. don't, we I can't open my heart to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, even though that's a goal. So, and the secondary, the corollary question to that was, you know, what are you afraid of? And mm -hmm. I think, I think you answered that. I just answered it too. Yeah, getting hurt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And there are levels of that. I mean, hurt, you know, you can bump your head, but when, when the heart is hurt, it's so much deeper because it goes, I don't know where it goes. It's someplace else. Hmm. And, um, and, and a lot of times I'll turn that on myself. It's, you know, I, be, I, I become that unworthy, undeserving person that I may have always thought I was. Hmm. And that's, that's when I am not loving myself well. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, Slavio Zizek also talks about how uh, if I could list you everything I love about the other person, that's also not love like that's me getting my trophies or whatever when i love so and so i love them i might like their hair i might like the way they walk i might like how they say a certain word or funny things to do but that's because i love them the love of them is is supersedes any of those particular things you could take all those things away and i would still love them that's that's wow i i think you just put me back in the i i got a lot to learn category mm. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah you're right I, I i love the the word trophies that's almost embarrassing to say <laughs> but um no that's a wonderful statement i love that i was gonna say spoken by a guy who's never had all those things change at once <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to talk about road rage huh anthony um, one thing that we started to tease out and uh, throughout all of these conversations is this idea of, um, I don't want to use the word communities, but I'll call them circles, um, like relationship circles, right? So there's like close-knit, these close-knit circles, you know, siblings, uh, essentially all family, partners, life partners, um, even close friends. Uh, then a larger circle would be uh, not as close friends, but friendships mostly, maybe some work relationships fit into those categories. And you keep building these, these circles going out to uh, people who are acquaintances, uh, people who you might have met, you know, bumping into in one way or another and had a conversation with, people who you've never met at all. This is where the road rage comes in, right? Um, people who you are interacting with technically, but you're, you don't ever see them, you don't ever talk to them. And I wonder how, um, I don't want to use the word love, but I wonder how these relationships extend. And one thing that I keep thinking about is, especially in conflict, right? When you're really close with somebody, at least this happens to me all the time, you have like a, a shorter fuse for the way things are done. Mm. 
uh, like you talked about the person at the grocery store writing a check, right? If you're like with a significant other of some kind and they're writing that check, you're like, just whip out your debit card already. Let's get this over with. <laughs> right? You have that freedom of closeness so you can say that sort of thing. Um, and if you're standing right next to a person who's doing that, who you don't know, you're, gonna, you're thinking it for sure, but you definitely don't just say that out loud unless there's something wrong with you. Um, but then if you're 10, you're 10 feet away, you know, and there's 10 people between you two, you might say to the person next to you, geez, why won't this person just take out their debit card? <laughs> so it it kind of comes full circle in the closeness. And I'm just wondering uh, how you guys make sense of that. Yeah. I, don't I, know. Some, I can't remember them though. If you think of them, feel free to interrupt. I, the the one thing I wanted to comment it was the person who's ten feet away talking to their neighbor about that person, right? What's interesting about that is they're building a relationship by by sharing their misery. <laughs> we can identify that that's awful, <laughs> and, and so that's one of the reasons that gossip is so infectious, right? Is because we get to share in this mutual antipathy towards this person, um, or this mutual enjoyment of their of their suffering whatever the gossip's about but uh it's it's a dangerous thing to do because it automatically pits us versus them yeah and um that i think lorraine ex explained to me one time was that you know that's how most people bond through gossip or through criticism you know and that that kind of relationship is is typically um, shallow, mm -hmm. you know, it's very difficult to form because, you know, it's, it's got teeth, you know, it's meaty. It's, you know, you know, you can feel your blood, your blood boiling and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've got a friend of mine who, you know, talks with regards to like road rage. Um, he would say, um, if somebody cuts me off on the road, he would hope he would say to me, he would hope that they um, get to their place safely because maybe they have an emergency or something like that. I still can't get that. I tell him, you're crazy. I said, uh, <laughs> you, you should be, you know, throwing the bird up and stuff like that. <laughs> Especially because he obviously was looking to cut you off. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But, you know, he's probably more evolved. So mm. that's okay. <laughs> good for him <laughs> i i can't do it <laughs> i feel like i used to when i was younger have that kind of grace on the road but as i've gotten older and i feel like uh i've seen more and more selfishness on the road i just want to put big heavy panels on my car and become a battering ram <laughs> why wait for the panels and I, I love the analogy, you know, that you brought up about the um, the person in the, the grocery store because I'm certainly rolling my eyes, <laughs> taking a deep, oh my God, looking for another <laughs> line that I could go on right now, um, you know, and and waiting for them to say I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's like, I you know, everything that I've talked about is just negated. Everything that I think I've learned. My my evolution has taken you know Neanderthal steps back. So mm. <laughs> like, it's interesting though if they do say I'm sorry, like if they're like I I really don't have any other way to pay right now. I have to write this check. Like that diffuses everything. Like all of a yes. sudden I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, I can wait 
one more minute because you're in this situation that you have to deal with? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's a perfect, perfect example. There is a way to kind of identify. And once you identify, all is good. Mm. And Anthony, you brought up something too about the shorter fuse. And that was something I also had to learn that I was nicer to people I didn't know than I was to people that were close to me. Mm. And I had to turn that around. Not that I would become a <laughs> stranger. I'm walking down the street. He pushed me, push his son over. Let me help you up over here, sir. Now it's the other way around. I'm going to push this dude out of my way. Yeah. Come on, Anthony. Let's go shove this guy. <laughs> All right, Dad. <laughs> but I, I had to nothing brings to nothing brings close up like commiserating, right? That's right. And you know what? It's it's all about awareness. It's you know. You know, when I'm starting to feel that rage, you know, you, really, you know, that was one of my phrases to Lorraine was really, when I said that I had to stop, I was like, because now once I've got awareness, boom, all mm. bets are off, I have to stop, I have, I have a choice. So um, I had to start to learn to not to be nicer to the people I love than, and, you know, elongate that fuse than I am with people outside. Mm strangers that was great yeah i think it's interesting that um when something is contextualized our minds are able to cope with it better right in that situation like corbin you know this is a this is the only way I could pay. And I'm sorry that this is going to take a little bit longer. And then everyone's like, Oh, okay. No big deal. Right. I always thought that if we could have um, like little signs that scroll on the back of our windows, <laughs> on the back, you know, the back of our cars that people would be a little bit uh, less short on the road. Maybe that would help alleviate road rage. Like if you understand my situation, like, and somebody could totally just write, I'm just an asshole. And then you're like, well, at least he told me. <laughs> Yeah, because we're saying, oh, he must be an asshole. Mm -hmm. And if he right. sent a note saying, I, I'm just an asshole, oh, see? <laughs> like now you're not mad anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know which cars to ram and which ones not to. <laughs> no, I do think that this is interesting about the coming to understand the situation and the context. And what that really says to me is what Louis has been touching, touching on about, you know, at first, it's just self. I'm only concerned with what I'm concerned with, and your your slowdown is interfering with my what I need to do, right? But if I can just take that moment to reflect and think, you're also a person that has needs and things that need to be done, and how can we both kind of cooperate to attain these ends? All of a sudden, we're sharing in this enterprise instead of me being like I'm being inconvenienced by you, and by right. your life. The great philosopher. Uh the joker once said <laughs> uh, actually nice. it's it's funny because i've actually been thinking about this phrase uh a lot lately um in the dark night the joker says you know everybody's cool as long as it's all going according to the plan whatever the plan is if it's going according to the plan everything's yeah. fine with it but as soon as it's not that's when the switch flips and so every time something uh that i perceive as negative happens to me i just think like what plan was this written down in? Because, you know, then I have to like rationalize, like there really is no plan. And so that helps me become okay with the situation, even though it's not part of my plan. Right. I always have to say like, 
this just because it's not part of my plan doesn't mean it's not okay. Mm. That's brilliant. Uh, you guys bring <laughs> up some brilliant points, and that that's that's a good one. I like that everything is okay until you know something goes awry, then then you know now. And I love what Corbett said. You know, it's all about me, of course. You know, I'm <laughs> inconvenience. Don't you know who I am? That's <laughs> right. a great phrase. No, they don't know who I am. So, you know, the CEO of one of the mega billion dollar companies walks into a supermarket. You know what? He's just another shopper. Right. Right. And um, until he asks yeah. you, where can I find the diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in the rough. The <laughs> nice. Uh, so. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. It's been really enlightening. Thank you guys so much for asking. And, uh, you know, any other time I could I could join you, let me know. It'd be fun. This was really a lot of fun. And um, thank you again. Yeah, you guys asked some really tough questions. Every <laughs> time you say that, I just want to, I would just want to dive down a little deeper. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you handled it great, though. You had a lot of depth to, to plumb. But you, you had, wow, you had some, you, you asked some really great questions and, you know, I'm going to go back thinking about, you know, I do have a lot to learn and that's okay. I think you're uh, g coming for my job here. It's soon it's going to be the fellow journeyman in the new and any, any <laughs> Well, you mentioned that you were the lookalike, right? So we can just have a replacement if you're ever busy. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to put Anthony through the Facebook ager. <laughs> well, Anthony one time called up Lorraine on the telephone and mimicked my voice, which wasn't too hard. And she didn't even know. She got pissed. Yeah, she, was, when she found she, out. She was really mad. <laughs> but she got over it really quickly. And then she was like, this is funny. This is funny. Lorraine, was, Lorraine was like that. She could be rageous. And I, I could never understand how she could be so red. And then, you know, whereas I would hang on to stuff, it would have to be diffused. It was like I was, I stored it, put it in a nice place and then let it out a little at a time. And um, I would sit with it for a while. Hmm. Plus I would bring a bat, <clears throat> beat myself up over it. Mm -hmm. she 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 could hang on to stuff there were, there were things that she was but she was a powerful being and mm. um <laughs> we had a good time we had a good time oh, but i like that anthony i like that i'll never forget that all right well i didn't think we'd take this much time but that was good stuff it was wow thank you dad I just want to send a quick sign off to everybody. Thank you all for tuning in this week and uh, stay tuned for more interviews on the fellow journeyman and the new. We'll see you next time. <laughs>